What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Apartment 113 podcast, where we talk with cool folks in the cannabis and psychedelics industries to learn about their projects and celebrate their successes. My name is Rob Sanchez, and this is episode 30. We're joined today by the founder and CEO of the Tetragram app, Otha Smith III. Tetragram is a consumer application used to track cannabis consumption, use, and benefits. Tetragram allows users to optimize their therapeutic and medicinal use. Find out more at tetragram.com and enjoy the show. Otha. Welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you. I've been glad to be here, Rob. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you about Tetragram and and learning a little bit more about the project. I think it's it's going to add something to the industry that we've been missing for a little while. Yeah, I've been waiting for this opportunity ever since we met, which was uh, was that MJ Biz? Right? Oh, it was the rainy Benzinga. Uh, oh, that's right, right. <laughs> it was Benzinga. Yeah. Travel to the hurricane on the beach. Yeah, I'll never forget that that weather experience. You know, I got <laughs> I got stuck, um, couldn't fly out. I had to fly out the following day because of the rainstorm. Oh man, it got. I I feel like I got out just before they started canceling flights. But the airport I flew out of was packed because the other one was already shut down from of the flood. I guess. Yeah, that was yep. a that was a hard one. <laughs> yeah, I thought no I was going to have to sleep on the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey. Because I, I made the mistake of, you know, going down and flying out of uh, Fort Lauderdale because uh, I have a friend that lived in Fort Lauderdale. And that's the airport they closed. So. That's oh, man. So they had to route you down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah. Well, it was it was good to run into you there at Benzinga. I think it, the the conference itself was awesome. I really enjoyed the sessions there and kind of getting a, a feel for the pulse of the industry and kind of a vibe from all of the operators and the like sea level folks walking around. Oh, was that your first Benzinga? Yeah, that was my first one. Um, I was fortunate enough because, you know, you hear about Benzinga all the time. It's like that's the mecca when it comes to meeting any any and everyone in the industry, especially when it comes to raising capital. So, uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity, fortunate enough to have the opportunity that I uh, not only attended, but I was actually asked to speak on a panel about our technology. So, you know, I just came out the gate swinging on my first opportunity to actually attend, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's great, man. If you're going to attend, might as well make that impact right from the beginning. That's yeah. yeah. I mean, not to mention that uh, you know those tickets are like a thousand dollars a piece, so I it's was able not the to, easiest uh, conference to to walk into. Yeah, hundred percent. So I was able to avoid paying that, which is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Keeping it keeping it clean and and on budget. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to the Chicago Benzinga coming up here actually in the end of September. Are you going to be going into that one as well? Um, I don't know. Uh, potentially, you know, we're releasing, um, you know, version two, our flagship version of our software, September 1st. So I know it's going to be gangbusters and I don't know if I'll have it's to time for it. business. <laughs> yeah, but we'll see. 
<laughs> yeah, and, and we definitely need to get into Tetragram. I think before we, we dive into the company and um, and its value there, let's kind of look at like your your past with cannabis and maybe how you, you came to, to Tetragram originally. Yeah, so, um, you know, I grew up in southern Anne Arundel County, uh, which is a very rural area of Maryland, uh, about uh, 40 minutes uh, south of uh, Washington, D.C. So, you know, I grew up on like three acres of land. Uh, all my neighbors had three plus acres of land. So, you know, the area that I grew up in was actually notorious for growing cannabis. Uh, it was known, huh? <laughs> yeah. So like all my friends grew. Um, there was a farm behind me that was 100 acres. And I think 20 acres of that land they grew cannabis on. Years, years later, uh, they got, you know, found out by the police. And I think the guy is still in jail t- to this day. And that's like 20 some years ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah so so uh, it was definitely the uh, it was around, you could say, right from the beginning and oh, available. Yeah, 100 percent. So, you know, that being said, I've always been someone that's used cannabis ever since I was like 15 years old. Um, used it through all, all of high school, all of college. But, you know, it wasn't until 2006 when, you know, everything changed for me where I unfortunately was driving home with some friends. Um, at that time, I was running my first business, which was a uh, detailing business. Um, and it was, you know, startup phase. So working seven days a week, always open, never closed. And I was driving home from dinner. My three friends that were in the car were completely passed out. So what happened? I ended up passing out five minutes from my house, <clears throat> was uh, ejected oh, from the wheel because I didn't have a seatbelt on and actually pronounced dead on the scene. But uh, luckily really? for me, my good friend that was in the car with me, um, and by the way, everybody walked away unscathed, um, she ran to my aid because at the time she was going to school with John Hopkins to become a doctor. Uh, wow. which she is today. So it was her instinct that ran to my aid and, uh, you know, really saved my life until the helicopter arrived. Jeez. Yeah. That's your, you're her first, uh, her first patient there kind of just <laughs> thrown on her, huh? <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I got wow. yeah. a big scar on my lip. I got a huge scar that goes from the back of my head to the top. Um, so I suffered a traumatic brain injury as a result. Um, oh, and so, man. Yeah. Yeah. Once I was released from the hospital, dude, I was just prescribed tons of opioids, prescription pills. I mean, put right into the right into the wheel. Exactly. So, you know, yeah. Xanax, Percocets, Oxycontin, I mean, you name it. I was in that hamster wheel. And, uh, you know, after three years of using pills, I was just like enough is enough. And I started to put all my attention into cannabis. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why I got into this industry. But, um, you know, one of the things that really got me into the industry also, which I actually shared yesterday on LinkedIn for the first time ever in my life, have I, have I shared it publicly. But in 2017, my older brother was killed in a vehicular man's uh, car accident. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. So Jeez. what happened there? Sorry was, to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. But what happened there was he had car trouble, pulled over to the side of the road started to diagnose the uh, the issue. So, you know, he didn't see any car coming. And the woman that hit him was completely over-intoxicated on prescription pills, ran into the back of his car, which hit him and threw him about 50 feet. He died instantly. 
Oh my, dude. So so between what a tragedy. Yeah, man. So I actually made that public uh, yesterday on LinkedIn because I just finished watching the uh, series on Netflix, um, Painkillers. Some of the real effects, huh? kind of how it, the economy's going off of it. A hundred percent. So, um, you know, my personal car accident, my brother's unfortunate uh, early demise really led me to say, you know what, prescription pills is the enemy. Uh, we all see how damaging it is and loss of life due to overdose. So, yeah, you know, there's another cannabis, solution. Yeah. So as soon as cannabis uh, came on the scene and started getting legalized across the country, I knew that this was an industry that I wanted to get into because I saw the benefit that it did for me in getting all prescription pills. And and yeah. now ultimately, if that woman who hit my, uh, my, my, my brother was using cannabis as opposed to prescription pills she probably still he probably still be here today uh yeah so it's kind of in in saving um in saving others right promoting that that use and kind of discouraging some of this this pharmaceutical rabbit hole that that folks can fall down yeah it's the medical system is hard like that man and it and it's you can't argue that the painkillers aren't needed at some times they are but the the black hole waiting for you is is uh, definitely a problem. Yeah, so uh, you know, my my so that's what drives me every day to create what I created, which is Tetragram. Um, yeah, and and te- can you explain to us a little uh, the, the elevator pitch on kind of what Tetragram is and and what it provides for the users? Yeah, hundred percent. So Tetragram is a uh, HIPAA compliant mobile app that I designed specifically to help primarily the consumer take control of their personal journey with cannabis. Um, you know, I remember the first time I walked into a dispensary and I just had that WTF moment, right? Like I've been using cannabis since I was 15. I thought I knew everything there was to know about cannabis. But when I walked into a dispensary, you know, I saw cannabis in all these different forms that were just completely foreign to me. I've only seen it just in flower. It's um, not that same, uh, that eighth or quarter that, ounce or the so that you'd be buying from from friends or buddies or anything like that yeah it's a coming exactly. from any kind of legacy history it's hard to walk into a dispensary i think almost surprising right that cannabis can go in so many forms and consumption methods absolutely like you know when the only other form i heard of was when you know we would take take the flour and grind it up and put it into brownie mix you know so <laughs> yeah right so it's, you know when when i walked into a dispensary and i'm seeing all these different ways cannabis can be consumed. And then I'm learning about terpenes and cannabinoids. You know, that's really when I had the aha moment. It was like, you know, we all know that cannabis is a medicine, but if I'm having this overwhelming experience where I don't know what I want to buy, what might be potentially beneficial for my specific health conditions, I can only imagine how challenging it must be for people who have never tried cannabis before. But yet we're telling them that this is a medicine and go into the store, but we're not providing any real data or education that can really assist them in making proper uh, product choices. That's a really good perspective. Yeah, it's been kind of a a choose your own adventure once you decide to buy the book. It's kind of, you know, if you want to proceed with cannabis treatment and therapy, you can you can get a medical card. You could go to a rec dispensary, but then it's very much directionless, I think. Um, uh, exactly, exactly. So with uh, Tetragram, I just wanted to give people the ability to essentially journal their experiences with cannabis. So, 
you know, with the mobile app, like I said, it's completely HIPAA compliant. We don't ask for a customer's first or last name, but it gives them the ability as they're starting to experiment with these various products to keep track of not only what that product name is, but more importantly, what are the terpenes and cannabinoids that that product consists of? You know, where do they make the purchase? How do they consume the product? And then they can, you know, associate that product with a medical condition. And then this rate, how effective or not effective that product was so that, you know, over time, that consumer is going to get more intelligent about not only what product, but again, what terpenes, what cannabinoids and consumption method works best for them. Right. Kind of finding out, okay, I, you know, was feeling anxious or couldn't sleep. So I tried this product that was high in myrcene, you know, and starting to find that correlation, I think is really where the where the magic is really at and having that just free for all. Um, there's so many cannabinoids in the product that you can have a really diverse range of effects. And then everyone's individual biochemistry interacting with those can be different as well. So it's, it's hard to make like solid suggestions as well. And I think that that may be why the industry doesn't do that too much because people can have different reactions very quickly, but that's a solid way to figure it out for yourself is just to start journaling and um, I was giving a, a session for a little while at Lucky Leaf conferences about connoisseurship. And mm. one of the first steps that I included in becoming a connoisseur is to start a journal and starting That's to great. be aware of your, of your uh, sessions, basically. You know, even if it's in your mind, if it's not therapeutic and you're just enjoying the effects, like write down what those feel like, kind of really the differences um, and I think on the therapy side and you know, treatment tracking, it's essential. So you find really what works for you, right? You don't want to be knocked out and tired in the afternoon if you have to keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, cannabis is personalized medicine. And, you know, when I, when I was in high school or in, started smoking at the early age, I was like, you know, we always we've all had that conversation with our friends where it's like, man, I'm really stoned. Why aren't you? Well, we never knew. What that, <laughs> yeah. what that what the reason for that was right just make fun of that guy and tell him he didn't really inhale yeah or like <laughs> you're, not, you're not really an og you can't handle it you know yeah. <laughs> but you know years later we come to find out that everyone has their own endocannabinoid system and so you know the right. receptors in your body um are different for everyone and that's what makes it some people more tolerable and some people you know a lot easier to get the effects of cannabis yeah, tolerance is a whole nother angle towards consumption. And that's something that journaling, I think, can also help with. The industry overall doesn't really care about moderation and tolerance yet. But for any experienced smoker, you know, such as yourself, you know, smoking since 15, I'm sure you've experienced, right? You get to this tolerance point that I may be close to these days where <laughs> it's even if you take a few dabs, there's kind of like a baseline, a plateau, right? Um, but if you were to take a, f a few days off or like a week off, suddenly that same dab would just be like, you know, mind blowing. Um, yeah. So that that is kind of a whole thing in and of itself within cannabis treatment that I think journaling is an excellent solution for. Yeah, I mean, you know, when you say that, it just brings back like so many memories when it was like, you know, you remember when you used to just smoke constantly like throughout the day and then you realize like i'm not getting any higher i'm actually sobering up right yeah it's, it um, starts to have reverse effects there exactly because you're just <laughs> feeding your endocannabinoid system too much it's like as enough is enough so yeah i mean tolerance is a real thing and 
being able to take days off is huge. I mean, one of the reasons why I always tell people, like, concentrates are amazing. I mean, they're super potent, but, you know, don't use them all the time because you're going to take your tolerance so high. You're going to need to have a break before you can ever really feel stimulated. It caps out. Indeed. Yeah. And I've, I've experienced it, man. And I what I end up doing is roll back. I end up pushing back my smoke farther and farther into the evening, into the night for a, a few weeks and then kind of level set again. But it's been a, a little cyclical there with concentrates. Flour is kind of hard to find in Vegas right now. Um, and really? Nevada produces some very dry flour, as I'm sure you can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not really the most ideal climate, right? <laughs> yeah, the concentrates have been a little smoother or a little more consistent experience, I think. Um, uh, without yeah. like opening that eighth and realizing, like, oh man, as you pinch the butt into dust, is kind of sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I can only imagine. Um, but yeah, I'm a I'm a big flower guy. Like, I'll do concentrates occasionally, but yeah. You know, Running a running a business, um, I've, I've never been one of those that's been fortunate enough to be able to consume while I work. Um, so work few, first and play later. Yeah, exactly. So I always predominantly smoke right before I go to bed, or you know, a couple of hours before I go to bed. Right, that's a good good way to have that kind of ritual to unwind and kind of settle in. Yeah, totally, totally. Take off the all the trials of the day, what have you. <laughs> exactly. Right? Just completely strip yourself of all the war paint, which is, you know, working every day. Um, <laughs> Basically, yeah. How, <laughs> how has it been driving Tetragram from that initial vision to the point that you're at now? You know, that grind working every day. Uh, you know, how's it been as a CEO? Uh, it, it's it's a mixed bag of emotions. Um, you know, when... when <laughs> To put it lightly, uh, you know, when we developed our beta version, put it out there in the marketplace, we were very fortunate enough that it it scaled dramatically. Um, and we didn't know if that was going to be the case because we released it on July 10th of 2020. So it was during the height of COVID. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. But it actually played to our advantage because by people being so focused on their health and wellness during that you know crisis of having COVID, um, a lot of people were taking their, their health and wellness a lot more serious. And so they were really dialed into like what products they're using, what benefits they're having to keep them healthy. Um, so that, so, so that, that played into our benefit, but overall, you know, it's been challenging in terms of like raising capital because, you know, being a minority owner, we all know there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot more headaches there, um. We're not as successful statistically when it comes to raising capital as opposed to our counterparts. And building so that, software is not cheap. Yeah, and, and so uh, exactly right. So that was a little bit of a challenge, but you know we continue to push forward and we're fortunate enough to raise capital. Um, and to your point, software isn't cheap. So you know that was a real that was an eye opening lesson for me because I I will admit like given the traction that we had when we released the beta version, I mean you know we signed up partnerships with over 200 dispensaries within just a year and a half and that was just me and my business partner wow yeah man yeah, yeah that's quite a quite an impact then or an immediate f uh, footprint or available market yeah so we were like oh man we're gonna be easy it's gonna be easy for us to raise capital and that just wasn't the case um kind of into covid i think the investing position started to shift a little bit from the what 
what may be to look a little bit more at the what is. I think that we saw so, like a lot of layoffs because of that, um, a lot of sh- kind of shrinkage. Yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. But, um, you know, I will say overall throughout the process of this, uh, you know, starting a business in the cannabis industry, um, scaling it, it's been fruitful. Um, I met some really amazing, incredible people such as yourself, right? Um, met some this learned a lot about the history of cannabis, which I was completely ignorant to. Um, and just seeing a lot of innovation in the industry. I think this industry is, is ripe with innovation because it's so brand new. Um, so you really hear and see some people doing some really dynamic, uh, innovative stuff that is just like, wow. Like, you know, I think human ingenuity is at its finest right now when it comes to this industry. Yeah, man. I think that is something I'm definitely grateful for to be a part of it at this time in history as well. Um, you know, smoking as a teenager, I never would have imagined that my actual job is is in the cannabis industry, right? An industry around this thing that was illegal, like about half my life at this point. So I think it's a uh, yeah, it's, it's mind blowing on that front and on the innovation side, it truly is. It feels cutting edge. You know, people are trying, you know, things that have never been done before because cannabis is is that new to the legal space. It's very rare to just have a new cash crop or a new universal medicine basically just introduced to society. I think that's the the really fun part there. Uh, it's, yeah. it, it brings a competitiveness to it for sure. Have you seen that nature of the cannabis industry much on, on your pursuit so far? Oh, yeah. It, it's super competitive. Um, <laughs> you know, that's one of the things I tell people when they get into the industry is, you know, by being so competitive two things happen uh one way one one thing that happens is it spurs innovation which is good right um the negative side of the super competitive landscape is that you got to be really careful who you you know create alliances with um there's a lot of people that got into this industry solely to this you know that get money quick scheme solely Um, to get out exactly (laughs) those are the ones that we don't want around Right. Um, so you just got to be really careful who you start partnering with, who you start associating yourself with. Um, so it's a double-edged sword for sure. Yeah, it's hard there. And uh, I think that the cannabis is unique in that the community and the industry is also very close-knit and actually evolved with some of that legacy vibe that was necessary for any kind of gray market, black market industry. It's still sort of running through the, the fibers. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that's one of the things when people come to me and they're like, hey, I want to get into the cannabis industry. I saw you, you've been very successful. What's the secret sauce? And the first thing I ask them is like, well, why do you want to get into the industry? You know, got to know the why. Yeah, exactly. And if, if it comes from a place of, uh, of, of, you know, truly being genuine and wanting to see how this plant can be elevated to further help people, then I'll continue to rock with you and talk to you. But if you're just like, man, I just see so much money I can make. I'm just like, that's just trying to to flip this amount into that amount. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I mean, to your point, I I never thought I'd be in cannabis, never thought I owned a software company, but that's, that's the beauty of life. (laughs) Yeah, man. The unknown unknowns. Yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. There's um, a sci-fi book written by Ursula K. Le Guin, it's called Left Hand to the Moon, I think. But she's got a quote in there that's just stuck with me ever since I heard it. And uh, it's it's that the only thing that you know forever in life is that it will be intolerably uncertain. 
Mm. Basically, you won't know anything. You don't. You don't know what's going to come next. So it's uh, it's pretty good on that front. I think it cuts to the truth there. No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And uh, you know, I've I've always been one who's had the mindset that um, you know I love to be uncomfortable in life. Kind of finding that edge, huh? Yeah, like I, I live on the edge because you know I'm always trying to, and I think we all should try to be better people every day. And I think the only way to truly become a better person is to live an uncomfortable life because that's where you really get to understand what you're good at and what you need to improve on. And that's one thing that this cannabis industry uh, can completely foster that that type of mentality or it can break you down because, you know, there, there's so many regulatory changes and so many ways that this industry is moving in this direction one week and in that direction the next week. So. For people who don't like to be uncomfortable, it's going to be a tough time for you. Yeah, um, being kind of rigid in the mindset or you know trying to get stuck in the way is is not the way for the cannabis industry. It's bumpy, and you know two to three years in the industry is like it feels like a decade of another industry with regulation changes, marketplace pressures, mergers and acquisitions happening kind of left and right on the software side as well. It's and the MSO side. It's kind of a uh, definitely a fun market, man. There's nothing like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you hey, you got to keep your pulse on the ground too, because um, you know, like you said, it's, it's changing in so many different ways that if you don't see that storm coming ahead, you know, you you might have an arbitrage on you. So, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, stay agile, right? The ability yeah. to kind of decide quickly is um, is the key. Yeah, have, but uh, have, have you? Uh, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but I, but I just love how this industry continues to blossom. I mean, we're past, we got more than half of the union is legalized in some shape or form for medical or adult use. So, you know, we're just going to continue to go. And then you're starting to see expansion in other countries, too. So it's exciting. Yeah, Germany's finally making some progress. And they were going through all this rigmarole, like checking with the EU and kind of tiptoeing around it. And then I think they just dropped this like home cultivation law which just kind of blows it out of the water, all the tracking that they were going to do. I think that's going to be the next market on that front. Yeah, and for sure. all of Europe's going to be watching. Yep. See what <laughs> what happens, what kind of catastrophe they can try to avoid. Kind of like every state in the U.S. sort of watching each other and being like, ah, Minnesota's going to do it better. Or be like, okay, now Missouri tried, now Maryland. I think yeah. they're, get, they're getting better because Missouri, multi-billion industry. Maryland multi-billion <laughs> it's insane on that front yeah i mean uh i can't remember where we placed but i know you know maryland placed like it definitely within the top five states that consume the most cannabis and you know maryland is not a big state i mean uh we no, just passed man. yeah <laughs> yeah we just passed recreational um you know last month and just from a friday to a sunday the state raked in 10.6 million dollars in sales so there's, there's a huge appetite here. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, and just so many other states are within within range, too. They can uh, scooch over and, and check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Because you look at our, <laughs> like our neighboring states of PA, that's medical only. You look at Ooh, uh, VA, yes. you look at Virginia, that's medical only. So you have a lot of people that are, you know, coming across the border. Just come visit a buddy in, uh, in Maryland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's happening in Missouri right now with Kansas. 
Um, like having Kansas City just right on the border, there are literally dispensaries where you can just drive a few blocks and you're in Kansas. Under um, good. And uh, they are pulling everyone over from the that side of the state to partake in the market. There's a lot of Kansas tax dollars paying for the Missouri uh, Missouri <laughs> cannabis. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally see that. I remember when I did a, uh, a pop-up event, um, you know, probably a year ago at a cure leaf dispensary, um, and it was on a it was on the border. And I was seeing tags, you know, from Maryland, seeing tags from PA, you know, shopping in, in New Jersey because that state had opened up the rec market. So they you know, they make the drive. Yeah, exactly. People would make the drive in order to just have, you know, that ease of access without actually going through the process of getting a medical license. If you build it, they will come. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Would Would you ever see yourself uh, wanting to get deeper into the cannabis industry as an operator, or are you comfortable um, and you know dedicated on the software space? You know, for the time being, you know, provided anything else coming through. Yeah, I, I never see myself getting into the plant touching side of things. Um, not to, not an interest there to to stress about the plant health and pH and lights and things. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, um, you know, I can't even grow tomatoes, so like, there's there's, <laughs> there's no hope there. And then, you know, furthermore, you know, I'm, like I always say, like I applaud people who go for, um, you know, chase their dreams along the plant touching side of things, like dispensary, uh, cultivation, processing, because you know they're under a lot more scrutiny um, from like 280e tax law. You know, a lot more yes. regulatory compliance that they have to follow, and it's, you know, it's it's tough on on that side of this on that side of the the playing field. So, um, yeah, I'm sticking to the software the ancillary side. Yeah, and then I am uh, I'm in the software side squarely, but kind of with dreams to get into the operating space. I know that the road is bumpy there, but I think that's the that's where I'd like to be to to you know be able to provide. Uh, like provide this medicine now and build more of an experience. I feel like in Vegas, I, I've been living here five years and I go to the dispensary like almost weekly and no dispensaries actually know who I am. Like there's not really that kind of like bar feeling or, you know, local vibe in a, in a dispensary. I think that's definitely something I would try to create and like build on in a, in a dispensary or even a, a cultivation facility, just kind of nah, connecting I, more. Yeah, I never knew that, man. Um, but I'm I'm right there with you. Like, if there were, if someone came to me tomorrow and said, "Hey, Otha, I got the money. <laughs> do I you want to? <laughs> yeah, I got everything we need to stand this up. Would you do it? The only way I would do it is under that that exact uh, model, which is more of that mom and pop boutique style. Um, right. Kind of keep it a little more personal. Um, it, even if you're sacrificing, you know, some of the scale, it's kind of the it's that quality, that experience. I think that you want to deliver. Yeah, totally. Because, you know, you see it now uh, that the landscape, the industry is being dominated by MSOs, these multi-state operators. And yes, yeah, you know, <laughs> driving the price the down. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they just had the mindset, like, get in, get your product, get out like a liquor store and, you yeah, know, people, a commodity that experience. Right. You know? I mean, and just like liquor, though, they're like there's a time for that you know if you need to rush to the store it's like thursday at six o'clock i mean it's busy as hell in there you can grab a six pack and get out or something but other times you know you definitely like people will go to the brewery or go to the winery the vineyard and like seriously appreciate 
just small quantities and not even buy anything. I think that's starts to become like that, the goal for the cannabis space and something that consumption lounges can hopefully uh, help us kind of embrace too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm totally with it. Like, you know, I'm, it's like, I always say like, you know, the cannabis industry is not an industry. It's a culture. Right. And, and so Here's the tagline look, for the episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and so we, when you look at it for, through those lenses, you know, it's always cannabis is, is the most communal plant in the world, in my opinion. So when people are shopping for cannabis, it's not like they just want to get in and get out. But there are those instances where it's like, hey, I got food that I'm cooking. I just need to get in, grab something and go home. But 90 percent of the time, people want to have that one on one conversation with someone about these products as opposed to just you know, coming in, grabbing something and going. Yeah. Kind of connecting there. That that's the first step there. And then getting home and, and journaling that experience is kind of the, the follow through. I think connects the the circle, man. That's where, that's where the app I think is going to be, uh, going to be awesome, man. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the, the, the whole benefit of what we're doing is not only to help the consumer, but they help the industry, right? Because, of course, the consumer is first and foremost, so we built the app so that they can, over time, understand what works. But, you know, furthermore, all the data that we're collecting is completely de-identified. And so we provide that data back to the dispensary so that, you know, when you walk into a dispensary and you're saying, hey, you know, I got, you know, a headache or I'm a veteran and I suffer from PTSD and I'm tired of the VA rep- uh, rec- recommending I use prescription pills, I want to try cannabis. You know, chances are, regardless of how knowledgeable that dispensary staff agent is, they're probably not going to make the right recommendation for you because they don't know what's going to work best for you. So, yeah, right. That's the hard part. Everyone puts that onus on the dispensary staff. And I respect the dispensary staff. They are knowledgeable consumers, but it's not really their role there to kind of prescribe or to to really recommend and man, is it hard to try an entire cannabis menu that has 250 SKUs. As much as you'd like to try it, it's just, that takes time. Yeah, and it's expensive. So and Time and money, yeah. <laughs> At that point, you're working for cannabis, not not cash. Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> so that being said, like dispensaries utilize our data, so now they can say, well, Rob, you know, I know you have PTSD, you know, 500 people or 5,000, whatever that number is, have rated this product working well uh, for PTSD through Tetragram, so let's start here. And that's and that's huge in terms of changing the narrative, changing that conversation from throwing darts at the wall to more of a you know a consultative approach, if you will. Yeah, instead of jumping in the pool, you've got one of those nice like fake beaches you can walk into. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And then you know, even furthermore, like we look at brands and. You know, brands want to, you know, home in on their products, providing a specific uh, effect. But at the end of the day, they don't know. And so, you know, when their products are put in the market, if they're selling well, they're excited about it, but they don't know why. And so that's hard to know exactly that. You can see the behavior, but not really the reason. Yeah, you can see how many primes, you know, the transactional uh, data, but that doesn't tell you the intent behind the purchase. Yeah, so, man, it, that's the crux of modern software product management too. Because like all these analytics solutions look at like what a user does, but it's only when you actually talk to that user that you like get their understanding and you can connect the dots and solve a problem. And same for providing a product. I mean, a brand needs to be so consistent, right, to deliver the same thing. You know, a Nike 
Air Force One, is, that is the same shoe. It cannot change. And that's easier said than done in cannabis to, to grow and produce uh, consistently. Uh, so getting that feedback when you might be falling off the path is very important. Yeah, because, um, you know, that's the thing that's challenging in this industry is that, you know, this is this is a plant. This is Mother Nature. and You can't control Mother Nature as much as you try to dial it in. Mother Nature is going to do what it wants to do at the end of the day. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a uh, diminishing returns, too. As you spend more and more, you can only you can only control just like ninety nine point nine nine percent of those variables. Failure is still around the corner. Yeah, 100 percent. In the cultivation terms, your AC unit may always just fall. <laughs> you can never plan for that. You got that right. So, um, so, well, yeah, there, so, so that's, are there that's, any conferences coming up for you, Otha? Uh, so we have NECAN, and NECAN is uh, coming up in New Jersey. That's uh, September 8th and 9th. Um, nice. So, and, and that's uh, Atlantic City, New Jersey. So it'll be nice to be at the beach. Uh, I'll actually be speaking at that conference, too, about our technology. So. Excellent. Yeah. yeah, anybody on the East Coast in that area, please come through. Definitely. Um, but that's one. And then, you know, you always have the uh, the Mecca, which is uh, MJ Biz in Vegas, out, out of your neck of the woods. So Yeah, come on down. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely <laughs> be out there. I'll probably be like, oh, can I crash from your couch? It's like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was, I was just telling my wife, like, you know, we could, we could throw a crazy after party here. <laughs> Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> I'm gonna have to hide everything. Yeah, exactly. Man, in in the original apartment 113 in Minneapolis, um, the podcast is named after that place, and we had these great after events that would just kind of go till like 7 a.m. Um, really good crowd of people in there, but it was definitely stressful sometimes to have your things like that. You had to kind of be trusting of the community and the folks that you got in the house. Um, but I think I was like actually surprised by the community vibe like that and how appreciative people were of of the space at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I'm trying to model with Apartment 113 again, like bringing that kind of transparency, like hey, the cannabis industry still needs that sense of community and kind of uh, trust, right? It, as cutthroat and as greedy or as competitive as it really is um, and, and as fun as that can be too to do that just as workers, I think it's important to look at the at the full industry. No, for sure. I mean, let me know when that, when you launch that. For sure. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, because in, in D.C., there's definitely, um, you know, D.C. is like in a weird position. You know, it's legalized, but there's really, I think, only eight or nine dispensaries, you know, so it's, they're in a tough position just given where they are geographically and, you know, the government's still having everything federally illegal, but... Yeah, you know, I've, had, I've had some good experiences at some private parties thrown in people's homes. And, you know, to your point, people, um, for the most part, you bring the right people in there. They, they don't <laughs> they don't violate your space or anything like that because they're um, just happy to be in a room with other cannabis consumers and just chopping it up. Right. And uh, I definitely don't come to my house after BizCon if you're listening to this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it again. It's always awesome actually living in Vegas when everyone comes in. I know it's it's hard to see kind of the entire cannabis industry without making it over to an East Coast conference, something in the West and kind of something in the middle like Michigan or now in Missouri. Uh, and MJ BizCon is definitely that time where it's like literally anybody in the industry, it feels like they're there or they have some kind of representation there, um, a booth or a account exec, someone's here. 
Yeah, I, um, I've never met more people from across the globe that are involved in cannabis than when I was at MJ BizCon. I mean, you just, <laughs> I, I met a guy, it uh, wasn't last year, but the year before last, um, flew in from Australia. And I mean, that's a 24, I've, I've been to Australia, that's a 24-hour flight, so you talk about the commitment. commitment. Yeah, <laughs> that's a that's a serious. That's a week journey, maybe more, coming over to the U.S. Yeah, so I'm like, I hope you're staying in Vegas like at least a week, given how long it took for you to get over here. <laughs> Enjoy a little bit. Yeah, I think last year I ended up. I was even speaking with folks from Germany again that they, they were here looking for software. That's kind of like, man, these are probably the guys that are now like you know moving and shaking in this brand new space. So I think other countries are looking over the over the border and saying like, basically go here to get your knowledge, your connections, you know, and kind of set off from there. And with some of the good sessions they have in BizCon too, it's a, man, you can't go wrong with, with jumping in there if you want to get involved in the space. Yeah, uh, most definitely, most definitely. <laughs> um, great well, industry, man. Happy to be in it. <laughs> yeah, man, and I, I really wish Tetragram the best of luck. I think it's an awesome journal. I'm looking forward to, to diving into it myself a little bit and uh, tracking some of my use see how that part goes. Um, and I just wanted to thank you for jumping on the show and uh, taking us through the founding of it, man. Yeah. Where can folks reach out to learn more about the app or connect with you? Yeah. Uh, you know, first and foremost, thank you for the opportunity to uh, share my story. What brought me here today, what we're, what Tetragram is all about. Um, you know, I do want to mention that we're dropping our, our, again, one more time that we're dropping our flagship version on September 1st. So make sure to look out for that. And the best way to, to stay up to date on everything Tetragram is really um, either through LinkedIn. So, you know, you can follow me on my name is Otha Smith III um, and then all on our social media. So Tetragram app on uh, Facebook, the Tetragram app on Facebook and the Tetragram app on Instagram. Hey, awesome, man. Thank you again. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you for listening to the Apartment 113 podcast. For more information about the show, along with our services and courses, visit apt113.com. We offer cannabis software product management, cannabis education courses, and freelance writing. With over a decade of experience in the cannabis industry, Apartment 113 is here to help.